last Sunday, Dustin's message really spoke with me. And when he said, stand up and come accept Jesus into your heart, I didn't do it. I wanted to, but I just, I don't know why, I just couldn't do it. Um, Next day, it was really weighing on me, and I still didn't say anything. Well, he actually uh, texted me and asked me to do this because I was off all week. He just asked me to come up here and do the introduction. And when he did that, I was like, well, maybe this is a sign I should say something to him. Well, I asked him to meet with me, and we decided to meet Wednesday at 1 o'clock. And uh, at Wednesday at 1 o'clock, I accepted Jesus into my heart. And doing this is not something easy for me to do. I hate public speaking. It's actually going a lot better than I expected. Because I told our small group on Wednesday, man, good Lord, I broke down like a baby. And uh, anyways, I just want to share that so maybe if some of you are scared to stand like me, maybe that will give you the courage to stand today. Let's, let's celebrate some more what the Lord's doing. I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done in Casey's life this week. Um, it's, it's a game changer. I'm, I'm thankful for his courage and his boldness uh, to come and meet with me and admit that he didn't know Jesus and he needed to. I want you to hear me say that there's no wrong time to trust Jesus as your king. You know what I mean? Any time's a good time, there are no wrong times. I wonder if there's more people out there like Casey that want to stand up and say, I want to trust Jesus as my king for the first time. You don't need to do it for the third time. You don't need to do it for the 40th time. Um, But maybe the welcome at a service is a good time. If you uh, have not trusted Jesus as your Savior and you would like to stand up right now and trust him, don't do that for Casey. Casey can't help you. Don't do that for me. I can't help you. But if you know you want to trust Jesus for the first time and you'd like to stand right now, we can help you out. It takes boldness. It can be tough. Good deal. Praise the Lord one more time for what he did in Casey's life. This week. Yeah, let, me, let me pray for us and, and we'll, we'll worship Jesus. Man, I hope you have a good reason to worship Jesus this morning. I don't know how I'm going to preach because Jesus is already preaching today. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you and thank you so much that... You were chasing down Casey and pursuing him this week. You're so good. Thank you for helping him, giving him the boldness to come and confess his sins and give his life to you. Father, I pray for more to do that. You deserve every ounce of our worship today. So I pray we would worship you with passion.
because you deserve it. Be among us. Be pleased with what we do today. We're not here to make everybody in here happy. We're not here to make anybody in here happy. We're here to please you. Be pleased with our worship today. If you're happy, it's, that's all that matters. If you're not, that's all that matters too. We want you to be happy. Be pleased with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and worship Jesus today. Good morning, y'all. It's good to see everybody here. Thank you for coming. We're excited to worship with you today. Next week is Easter, and we love Easter. We love celebrating Easter, and we're going to have some fun next week. We're going to have Easter right around the corner at the splash pad. We're going to do some baptizing. It's at the splash pad, but we're going to try to make sure the right people get wet. So we're, not, we're going to have the splash pad turned off, uh, but we're going to baptize some people next week. Sunday morning at Easter, 9.30. You might want to bring a lawn chair. We're going to be very laid back, even more laid back than we normally are, which is pretty laid back. Uh, Bring a lawn chair if you need to and come to the splash pad right around the corner. Hang out with us at Easter. See some people get baptized. It'll be good. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day we celebrate Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And, And when he was riding into Jerusalem... There was this huge crowd of people that had palm branches and they were laying the palm branches in front of Jesus riding on the donkey so even the donkey wouldn't have to touch the dirt when he stepped. And the crowd was crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Israel, They were claiming Jesus as king of the Jews and shouting, Hallelujah, Hosanna, he is king, he is Messiah. On Palm Sunday. But there's something about Holy Week and Palm Sunday that puzzles me. And that is that although people were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on Sunday, five days later the same crowd was shouting, Crucify him. Crucify him. Kill him. So, how does that happen? Does that puzzle you a little bit? Like how, how could they be worshiping Jesus on Sunday and then hoping they would kill Jesus on Friday? Does that bother you? Same people. Today, we're going to continue our study called A Life Like No Other. We're going to be in the book of 1 John. You can go ahead and turn there, 1 John chapter 2. And the name of the sermon this morning is The Love God Hates. It's hard to think about God hating anything, but we're going to read a passage of Scripture that describes something that God hates. And it's not that He hates people, but there is an attitude, there is a mindset that God can't stand. And we're going to look at that this morning. The reason he can't stand it is because it destroys our walk with him. It makes us fickle people that may say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord on Sunday and crucify him on Friday. 
I want to look at that together with you. Today we're going to be in the book of 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading in verse 15. The the words will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Follow along if you do. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. So John is writing to this church, and y'all, you have to remember, he's not writing to people who don't know Jesus. He's writing to people, and he's saying, hey, this is the way you can know that you know Jesus. And he talks about this love for the world, and when he, when he talks about a love for the world, he's not talking about loving people in the world. God loves people in the world, and the church should too. There's another thing he's not, he's not talking about here. He's not talking about, um, he's not really talking about culture. He, he, there, there's sometimes we get on this kick that he's talking about you can't ever go to the show. You can't ever dance. I, I ought not be dancing. But somebody said amen. <laughs> but he's not saying here you ought not ever dance. There's people in the Bible that dance for God. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you shouldn't love the cultures of the world. He's not saying that. He's talking about this worldview. This this view of how, how the world sees things and thinks about things. And it's different from the way God sees things and thinks about things. And sometimes that worldview of the world creeps into the lives of believers and it walks them away from the person of God and God hates it when that happens. This has been an old tactic of the enemy. He's been doing it since the beginning of creation and I'm going to prove it to you. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2 real quick. Very First book of the Bible, second chapter of the first book of the Bible, you need to see this. And I want you to remember that lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life when we, when we look at this passage in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verses 15 of Genesis chapter 2 because it's very critical. You need to know what is said here. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. The Lord God made the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. That's key. You are free to eat from any tree of the garden But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on that day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Did you hear what God said? He said, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for that one tree. Don't mess with that one tree. Skip over to Genesis chapter 3 real quick. Check this out. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. 
Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, listen to what he says, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Did God say that? God said you can eat from every tree in the garden except that one tree. But the enemy causes us to question in our minds the voice and the truth of God. That's where he starts. He lowers the power of what God says. And he wants to trust, uh, uh, cause us to trust other things besides the voice of God in our life. He twists things. He's been doing it since the very first day. And he's still doing it today. Same tactic. Keep reading with me. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, listen to, what, listen to what verse 6 says. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. That sounds exactly like lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride. She felt like that fruit was going to be good. She'd never tasted the fruit, but she felt like it was going to be good. She saw that the fruit was good to look at, lust of the eyes. And she wanted to be wise. She didn't want to depend on God for the rest of her life. She wanted to be able to make her own decisions in this world. The enemy's crafty. He's been doing this from day one. Point number one today, the the thing I want you to see from this is our feelings, lust of the flesh, can lie to us. Jesus always satisfies. Eve walked up to the fruit, she walked up to the tree, and and the enemy had already turned on a questioning spirit inside her mind, and she said, I bet that fruit is good. I feel like that fruit is good. And guys, sometimes your feelings and my feelings will convince us that what God says is a little off. I'm not telling you don't feel. I'm telling you that believers, the church, we have to learn how to filter our feelings through the person of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I feel hungry. Brother ain't been hungry a minute. Our feelings can lie to us and tell us things that are not true. This is something that church people are bad about. 
And I'm a church people, so I'm talking about me. But, but we look out into the world, and we see people out in the world that are living their life by their feelings. And we condemn them for it. We say, that man's living like a woman because he feels like a woman. Everybody knows that's wrong. He ought not be doing that. But at the same time, church people are saying, I don't know that I really have to love my enemies. I don't, that doesn't really feel like the right thing to do. Jesus said to love our enemies, didn't he? He didn't ask us how we felt about it. And when our feelings tell us something different than what Jesus said, he's not wrong. Our feelings are off. I bet that when Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey and the crowd was yelling, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he felt like the Messiah coming into town. But I bet five days later... When his flesh was hanging off his body, it didn't feel like he was king anymore. So they said, crucify him. But the truth of God's word says that he was winning the battle for our souls. He had not lost. Believers must learn to filter our feelings through the person of Jesus. And if we can't, our walk with God will be just as fickle as Sunday and Friday for the crowd on Holy Week. And God hates that. He wants you passionately walking with Him every day because He's good and He deserves it. Let's keep reading. Actually, we'll quit reading. Point number two, our sight, lust of the eyes can blind us. Jesus always reveals truth. Did you see that in the point, our sight can blind us? Eve looked at that fruit and she said, man, that's some good looking fruit. And I don't, I don't necessarily think he, he's, John is talking about specific lust of the eyes. I I think what he's saying is the way we see the world may inform our minds of something different than what God's Word says. Do you know what I mean? I look out into the world, and, and this has caused so much doubt in my life. I look out into the world, and I see bad things going on, and I say, well, God must not be that great. And, and when I'm saying, I don't know if I believe in God, or God must not be that great, how can I be secure in my walk with Him if I don't even know He exists? Sometimes what we see misinforms my mind. And a believer has to learn how to filter even everything he sees through the person of Jesus Christ. I bet when Jesus was walking into town on Sunday, on Palm Sunday, and people were throwing palm branches on the ground, everything looked like he was fixing to come in and take 
the world by storm. And, and he was going to win a war because he's this God king coming into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. But when his flesh was hanging off of him on Friday, he didn't look like that anymore. But it didn't change the truth of God's word that he was winning the battle for our souls. We have to learn how to filter everything we see through the truth of the person of Jesus Christ. If not, our walk with God will be just like this. And God hates that. The last one, the last point is our pride enslaves us. Jesus brings freedom. When 1 John says pride of life or pride of possession, some of your Bibles may say that. It's, it's ultimately talking about pride, meaning I, won't, I, I am in control of my life. I want to do my thing. I don't want God to speak into me. And y'all, in America, we're eat up with this. We, we want everybody, look at social media. The, only the highlights are on social media. Nobody said I stubbed my toe and said a bad word this morning. On social media. We say my spouse is my very best friend. Knowing we just got out of an argument. We say my kids have to take their halo at night, off at night so they can lay down in their bed. Knowing they're bad. We want everybody to think we're perfect and we've got everything figured out. And church only feeds that beast. If there's one group of people that I want to think that I have it all figured out, it's church people. I want to be able to say everything they want to hear. I want to be able to act. I want to smile, get my church smile on. I mean, I want everything to be right, wear my suit. I mean, my life is perfect when I walk into church. Let's get real, y'all. The only thing good about you and me is Jesus. The rest of us are broke down. Some people say religion is like a crutch, but a walk with Jesus is like sitting in a wheelchair with him pushing. We're broke down. Let's get real. The bridge prides itself on people being able to walk through these doors. And look, just, just be real because Jesus is never going to help us when we have this wall of pride up in our life. Where we're scared if we mess up, we can't be a part of the church anymore. anymore. I'm Y'all, hang around me 15 minutes and I'll say something bad. I'll not say Not bad, but I ought not say. Maybe. We've got to get, we've got to set this pride aside and be real because humility is like a magnet for the presence of God, but pride polarizes him. 
And the only reason we're having so much fun at the Bridge Church isn't because somebody had a good idea about the Bridge Church. It's not because there's a bunch of talented people at the Bridge Church. It's because the the presence of Christ is thick among the people of the Bridge Church. And y'all, for the rest of my life, I do not want to be where Jesus ain't. The reason this is so much fun is because the presence of Christ is among us and we're getting to experience and walk in his ways. But I promise you, when pride raises up, it's polarizing to him and he's gone. And I don't want to be where he ain't. Pride's a killer. I bet when Jesus came in on the donkey, everybody said, hey, the popular thing today, the the thing that's going to make people smile at me today, the thing that everybody wants to hear today is, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But when his flesh was hanging off five days later, the popular thing that's going to make everybody smile at me today is crucify him, get rid of him, kill him. Pride's a killer to your walk with God. And as long as it's there, your walk with Him will be just like this, and God hates that. We have to repent of it. The application today for kids, students, and adults is to continue to feel, see, and strive, but always use Jesus as your filter. Don't stop seeing, don't stop feeling, don't stop striving. But always filter those feelings and what you see and your striving through the person of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. Kids in the room. Kids, listen to me. Give me your attention for just a second. Kids in the room. It may look like church is an adult thing led by adult people. And that God only speaks to adults and God only uses adults. But in Matthew chapter 18, the adult disciples of Jesus were saying, Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And Jesus takes a kid, and I imagine him putting the kid on his knee, and he looks up at his disciples and he says, Until you become like him, you cannot enter my kingdom. Turns out that even though it looks like church is an adult place, and the world tells you until you're the age of 18, you have to learn, in the kingdom of God, you have something to teach. I imagine that kid to be like little Jasper Sutton, Jacob and Hannah's son. Jacob, I mean, Jasper has two younger brothers, Scout Sutton and Asa Sutton. Scout's a biological brother, Asa is an adopted brother, and Asa's been blessed with a little more skin pigment than his, bio, than his, than his other brothers. One day, they were getting family pictures made, and, and Hannah put all three boys in the same outfit, and Jasper looked up at his mama and said, hey, how are people going to be able to tell us apart? You know why? 
Because Jasper is able to look at his little brother with a little more skin pigment and see the image of God in his little brother. He doesn't see the obvious difference that us adults see that have been ingrained with a world philosophy. And let me tell you something. The great five-year-old theologian, Jasper Sutton, has something to teach to about 99% of Wynn, Arkansas. Teenagers, children, filter everything you see through what Jesus says. Teenagers, I, I served directly to teenagers for five and a half years, and I know what you walk through, and I know what you experience And some of you have been told that you're nothing and that you're outcast and it feels like the truth. And some of you have been told that you're all that and you've believed it. All through the Gospels, Jesus was teaching the broken and the low down, the desperate, that they have value. And he was teaching the arrogant humility. Teenagers, learn to filter your feelings through what Jesus says. Or your walk with him will be just like this. God hates that. Adults, we've been taught to run this rat race where everybody thinks we're perfect. And it's, it's a pride thing. And today I'm, I'm just going to confess myself that I deal with it. I'll, I'll confess you to, to you today that I, I want to be the very best preacher in the world. And Sunday afternoons are not good for me. And they're not good for Beth. Don't ask her about it. But I go home and I say, man, I shouldn't have said that. I should have said this. I said, uh, about 1,400 times. I I stuttered here and here and here. And like, God, why won't you make me the best preacher even in the building? But the truth of the matter is, is maybe God doesn't want me to be the best preacher. Maybe he wants me to be faithful to who he is, to follow him. And trust him to use my weakness to affect his kingdom. Listen to me, y'all. You don't need to be the greatest. You need to be faithful and trust the truth of God's word. We're fixing to move to a time of worshiping the Lord by observing the Lord's Supper, communion. This is going to look like a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And it's going to feel like a piece of bread and a cup of juice. But let me share with you something out of the book of John, chapter 6. The truth that it represents. John chapter 6 verse 35 says this. 
Listen to me, y'all. Jesus is talking. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again because I satisfy. That's what we're about to do represents. Jesus went to the cross and he bore all our sins. His body was broken so we could be made whole and his blood was spilt out to cover our sins. And he says, when you put your faith in that, when you put your trust in that, you're satisfied. Follow me and I'll satisfy you. You don't have to get up in the rat race. You don't have to trust your feelings or what you see anymore. I satisfy you. I tell you the truth. That's what this represents. We're going to do this a little different. We did it a little different last time. We're going to do it a little different this time. When I say amen, I want to ask you to go to the tables. There's elements. There's bread and juice at each table. There's some over here. This side of the room can come over here. There's bread and juice. Get you a piece of bread and a cup of juice. And I I want you to ask you to come back. And I want this to be a time of freedom. If you want to come back and sit by yourself and and focus on John chapter 6, verse 35, and, and just let that wash all over you that he wants to satisfy you. Feel free to do that. If you want to bring some people in around you and, and pray, pray together that, that God would forgive you for the times you've, you've trusted the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life, and that, that he would help you walk out of that. Do that. Let these last be, few minutes be a time of freedom. I'm going to pray, stand up, go get your elements, come back. You can move these chairs around. You can do whatever you want to do. Be free. Father, thank you for being among us today. I pray that you would bless the teaching of your word. I pray that you would bless this time of, of celebrating your, your last week together. And Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to look forward to your resurrection that we celebrate on Sunday. Thank you for being so good to us. Use this time to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.